You're listening to Listen More with Paige Crystal Wilcox. This is a podcast where I listen to people from around the world who offer insights and reflections about what they'd like to see less and more of in character depictions similar to themselves. Something that's very important for this podcast is to allow each guest to take back the power of their labels and their own story by allowing them to introduce themselves. So could you please introduce yourself to our audience? Definitely, Paige. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for uh, inviting me to your podcast. It means a lot. Uh, hello, uh, my name is Dakshima uh, Habudantri. Uh, I'm originally from Sri Lanka. Now uh, saying hello from Canada, Alberta. I wear many hats. I used to be a lawyer back home, Sri Lanka. Now I am a social worker, a youth worker, uh, BIPOC, and... Um, LGBTQ2S plus advocate. Uh, I'm really passionate about mental health. And all in all, I'm a storyteller. I uh, try to tell a story, my intersectional story. I, as I said, I wear many hats. I belong to different, different categories or different, different groups of people. So I try to be, try to understand the nuances, try to navigate the systems uh, and try to support people who don't have a voice. Uh, because I was one of them not too long ago. So I don't want them to suffer in silence in, in, in whatever struggles they are in. Fantastic work that you do. I really appreciate that not everyone has the strength to stand up and fight. It's always fantastic to see the people who are making that effort to, to make that change that we really need in the world. With regard to media representation, and I appreciate your many different hats and you can choose to talk about just a few of them or all of them. Do you feel that you are represented in stories that exist today in media? That's a good question. I mean, uh, so I'm a South Asian woman and when uh, media represent uh, South Asian people in general, they don't really talk about uh, their struggles uh, to, in details, I would think. Uh, because not every person's struggle is the same, especially, let's say, if you talk about mental health. Uh, it's taboo in uh, many immigrant cultures, uh, especially South Asia, especially my personal experiences. It is not something that we uh, talked growing up. You know, when you're having a bad day, that's all right. But when you're having some sort of struggle, uh, you are supposed to grin and bear it and fight it. My parents are lovely people. They are really supportive. but. That's my experience. A couple of examples. Um, I never really realized I'm a queer person. I'm a lesbian uh, when I was young because there was no role model. Or there was nothing that I could really read or figure it out. When I was 16, I read a book called The Funny Boy. Uh, it's by Sham Salvadori. He's a Canadian Sri Lankan writer, Sri Lankan first, then Canadian writer. And I read it when I was 16 at British Council Library. Where, so I was privileged, privileged enough to go and read that. And I was like, okay, this is different. This is the first time I was like, okay, there is something. And then uh, when my first girlfriend left me in school, I was going through a really tough time and I was self-harming. I couldn't really talk to people I because there's no support or there was no role model or rep representation, as you said, that I could just Draw, draw myself and say, hey, you know, this person did this. Can I get that help or something like that? So I didn't have that. And when my second girlfriend left me, I tried to kill myself. 
because I didn't have that support. Uh, because if you're a woman of a certain age and certain privilege, privileged class, I would think I'm an upper middle class family. So you have education, you have the social status and everything. And then you're expected to marry somebody and have kids and grandkids and all that. So I didn't have any any sort of person I could get that support from. So I don't, my personal experience has that I don't want to put everything in one uh, sort of silo and say, this is what it is. This is the truth. But personally, I don't think we've been properly portrayed in, in the media or um, we are, it's starting to look brighter. I would think people are rebellious and people are like talking about intersectionality and people are talking about how, you know, these things affect people's lives and things like that. But uh, not really, no. When I was growing up, at least. So you've spoken about how this affected you and your perception of, of your experience. Do you feel that that lack of representation also affected the people in your life in terms of how they related to you? I think so. Uh, because I believe um, when a woman is attracted to a woman, that is definitely considered as a taboo in in Sri Lankan society, and it's a criminal offense on top of it. Uh, according to the according to Section 365 of the Criminal Procedure Code, Criminal Code, uh, Penal Code of Sri Lanka Correction, uh, that it was uh, prohibited, and you basically go to jail uh, for 10, I can't even remember, over 10 years. Uh, so that really affects my, you know, like if I'm starting a relationship and I'm sure the first couple of people were experimenting what it is, what does this look like? And bisexuality is not tolerated as well. Maybe they are bisexual. I had no idea. All I know was I had somebody and they left. That's all I understood. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. I think my life could have been different uh, and more. I could have been still in Sri Lanka, not in a safe haven like Canada, uh, if my life did not have those obstacles uh, that I had to face. Do you feel that there's been a change in the stories that you would have liked that would have helped you as a child versus the stories that you would like to see now? Yeah, definitely. When I was a kid, uh, the books I read or the dramas or movies I saw there was always you know there's a knight in shining armor or a prince or a king or come they come and help this poor you know self this delicate princess from some I don't know random dragon or something but uh, you know that so I always felt that there's this you know there's this um, feminines uh, you know there's feminine side of, of things that they were delicate values I'm not like that. And I'm like, who am I? I'm not this girl who would like pink dresses and play with those. I never played with those in my life. On the other hand, my sister, she always loved those, always have this, uh, you know, this nail color, coloring or whatever you call it. I don't know. <laughs> so she's just this total polar opposite to me. So and when I was like growing up, when I, when I started to learn English properly, because English is my second language. And when I uh, started going to British Council, and then I explored the whole world 
of different different world where I, as i said i talk about read about the gay boy uh, which was really new to me and then uh, when i came to canada i i saw more of that uh, orange is the new black the representation of women in in uh, in uh, jail uh, system you know like uh, you know trans i mean those were really new experiences to me because unless and until you know something you are ignorant you have no idea what it is unless you see it read it feel it understand it so definitely my childhood would have been much much i think um i would have been more exposed to things uh, i had to learn everything when i was older so yeah that's that's was i think that's i guess i don't see any thing wrong in it i guess there's a time to everything uh yeah i hope i answered your question without going into a labyrinth <laughs> no that's good i always appreciate when people go into a little bit more detail mm-hmm. um because it really gives you more insight into the complexity of representation and how it has an impact on us throughout our lives are there specific stories that you think you would like to see or read uh for instance a woman saving the world like wonder woman how we have that right i mean that was like so late uh you know like same sex relationship a trans person supporting a town and getting that appreciation things like that i would never see that i don't think that i'll see that for the next 100 years in in south asian countries because they are so adamant on holding on to these traditions which i appreciate we all need tradition because the future is based on the past i i appreciate that but you need to move forward and you need to reconcile you know the the wrongs and right them and and move forward in life so so yeah definitely does sound like you'd like to see more positive stories and really positive stories about diversity and something that i think we have seen a lot is a lot of tragic stories and a lot of the pain which is definitely a common experience that a lot of us have but do you do you think we still need more of those stories exploring the pain well pain is part of life and uh, i mean suffering is a- actually a choice uh, we tend to go on about it but i think uh, women are women in general i'm talking about uh, because i'm more um, give would like to give that power back to women because people portray women in most uh, stories as fragile as somebody who will be uh, waiting waiting to be saved or waiting to be um, what's the word that you um are not strong enough uh, not resilient you know like but women are caregivers women are rulers of the world the world has changed right now and i think that sort of um that needs to be uh, told i was always even as a child myself i'm i'm very uh, strong in my opinions um and i've seen some people uh for instance going through domestic abuse like i have friends uh who are lawyers uh who are psychologists 
who are mental health therapists going through these things. Even in Canada, back in Sri Lanka, and I, I cannot believe that, you know, because you are supposed to, like, if you're a lawyer, if you're a therapist, you, you would think the society sort of assume that they have, like, they can stand on their feet, they can fight their fight, they can help others. But in, we need to sort of explore that pain to understand why it is happening. So pain is really important, but you should not give in to pain because then you would lose hope because without hope, there's no life, I would think. Like we, wake, we go to sleep every day, we put our alarms in our phones or whatever. So we, we hope for tomorrow. We hope that we'll get up tomorrow. I mean, such an unbelievable thing, isn't it? Like what would happen if I die tonight? You know what I mean? So we really want hope in our life to move forward. So I want pain to be told, yes, but should be coupled with hope. There is always hope. Really love that. And I definitely would like to see more of the stories that do include the pain, but also give give hope and aren't just a tragedy. For writers or filmmakers who would like to tell these stories, do you have any advice for them about how they might go about adequate research? I think the first and foremost, they should be like talk to these people because my life journey is different from somebody else, but there would be similarities that they can use it. But unless we hear from them firsthand, we can't assume this is what their life is. Because if somebody look at my story, my life, unless you ask, there are so many nuances, so many hidden layers. Uh, as I mentioned before, you record like August, there's layers like that hidden underneath deep layers, things I won't really share unless somebody asks. You know, I am very uh, vocal about my mental health and also, uh, you know, support and suicide and all those things because I want to normalize those things. Unless you ask, I'm unlike if, if that person is like me, they would not share those things. So your story would be incomplete. So you don't want that. So I think just having that relationship with those people, really sit down, listen, not just listen and making notes, actively listening. Listen to those words that they are not saying, you know, under, underline hidden words, face, express, facial expressions. You know, there's so many things, uh, you know, hiding uh, in plain sight. We're starting to get towards the, the end of the episode now. Are there any final words or is there a takeaway that you would like to share with the audience now? When I was uh, having these experiences, my personal experience that people leave, I thought there's something wrong with me. Unless I, I, mean, I realized it, there's nothing wrong with me. This is who I am. It gave me power. You know, I was able to take my life back, take my power back, can be this resilient person as much as I try to be. I'm not perfect. I, I, I have such flaws, but I try to be as much authentic uh, to myself as possible. I try to be what you see is what you get. 
I try to be that guiding light to people who don't have a lamp or candle or at least a match. You know, uh, I think that's the takeaway that if you can't be like a huge light that, that you know, in, uh, in uh, stadiums, you have those flashlights that sort of bombard you. But if you can't be that, just be a little flickering light to somebody, you know, that matters to them. That's that's my sort of uh, final sort of advice or wise word. Thank you so much for that. That is a, a beautiful way to end the episode. I really appreciate you taking the time to help our audience build that deeper understanding of why it is necessary for us to do better in media representation and I'm excited about what we will see over the next five to 10 years. Obviously, in different countries, on different continents, it's going to be different. Things are moving at a different pace. But I do feel that overall we're heading in the right direction. So thank you so much for being a part of that. Appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much again, uh, Paige, for inviting me. It's a pleasure. You've been listening to Listen More with Paige Crystal Wilcox. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, head to my website, pagecrystalwilcox.com. And don't forget to share and subscribe.